two short seasons of podcasting experience, and I'm having such a great time growing Blended on the Bluff. In season three, I go deeper into specific tools that will help you blend beautifully together. Cassie Swift, a woman who turned her childhood bullying experiences into her adult mission to serve children, joins me on this podcast episode. As a bonus, I thoroughly enjoyed the melody of words soothing the angst we often feel as parents when we get it wrong. She was such an encouragement and offers such great advice, powerful tools, and ways where we can help our kiddos get through the rough patches, demonstrating love, support, and really experiencing joy together. On this episode, Cassie shares wristband wisdom, dream boards, and what to do instead of saying, go to your room now. Please welcome Cassie Swift, children's life coach and founder of True You Children's Life Coaching to the Bluff today. All right. Hey there, everybody. It's Jen Rogers, host of Blended on the Bluff, and I have an amazing guest with me today from across the pond, actually, as I think about it. (laughs) You're my first guest across the pond. So thank you so much. Uh, Welcome, Cassie Swift. She is the founder of True Children's Life Coaching. Welcome to the blog, Cassie. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I didn't realize (laughs) I was the first one from England. So I have lots of Facebook buddies and entrepreneurial friends that are across the pond. And and I think we only say that in relation to England, right? Just across the pond. Um, But all over the world, because entrepreneurs unite, especially in a time of worldwide lockdowns, that we have found a lot of new friends in a lot of foreign countries. And I absolutely love it. And it's just my, it's a treat to get to know you more and to become more familiar with your work. And I know that you have a passion for kiddos and you do because you've, you are in the process of bringing this new business off the ground and you've already got a great start with a Facebook group and Facebook lives and tips and tricks that you're sharing with parents uh, as far as it relates to their kiddos. So would you share with us What's in your heart? Why is it so important to you to serve kiddos? Um, okay, so it's it's a long story, but I'll try and keep it um, short. So um, from personal experience, so um, from a young child, I, I was bullied all the way through um, school. Um, it was never a nice place to sort of be. Um, and towards my late teens and early 20s, um, my mental health took... Um, quite a drastic knock um and so because of that um I want to try and help children to realize that they they're perfect the way they are and they don't need to try and change to fit in but they they've got that they have got it within them everything that they need so as it doesn't take them two decades to actually figure out (laughs) that that they're fine I am not going to say how many decades I've been working on figuring out that I am fine, but I am working on that. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure for sure, this fitting in. And so that makes me think of what you had shared with me in our pre-podcast conversation, that you have done some training with Kids Life 
as a brand ambassador. And as I hear you share your passion, I hear that ambassadorship, if you will, in there. Can you talk to me about the importance of people doing what you do, standing in the gap for the kids as an ambassador or a mentor? Yeah, totally. I mean, that there is a gap. I mean, I'm not... Um... I'm not a counsellor, so I don't um, interrogate the children. Um, I don't also, I'm not a psychiatrist, so we don't sit in a room in silence for a long time. Um, It's about interaction. It's about um, helping them to focus on what they do want in life. So even if they are going through an adversity or something like that, we work on what they can do and what they do want. So, you know, we do dream boards and all things like that and it just gives them that sense of um of hope really um and I I always go on about hope it's such a, a big thing I think you know we need it and um yeah I just think that when children have that and when it comes from so yeah I've, I've done the training and I've I've got the certificate but I've also got the life experience so when a child especially when you're working with tweens and teens when they hear it from someone who actually knows firsthand, they listen that little bit more. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a huge gap that we, you know, we have fun and we just work on ourselves and just subtle changes have such a massive impact. So, yeah, it's amazing. Can you share one of those subtle changes that you work on with the kids and what yes. you see as the result of that? Yes. So one of the the things we give them, first of all, is um, to try and start working on negative self-talk because, you know, even as adults, we have that negative self-talk. So they just have a, a wristband and every time they think something negative, they have to flip it. And as they do, they have to switch their the wristband over. Um, and that just it makes them more aware. So they have to physically do something to swap it over. Um, and just keep, if you keep doing that, you soon, as soon as you then start on a negative, you automatically switch it. And, you know, by the end, children don't even need to switch the wristband because their mind's already doing the switching. So, um, yeah, something that simple can, can really help. It's so powerful. We, we definitely need reminders, especially as we earn those decades. <laughs> so uh, I guess empowering kids with the wisdom to know that you can capture this thought and you can decide to do something different with it than what you've done in the past. I mean, that's scriptural, right? That's so powerful. We're, we're told to do that in Romans 12, uh, that we take every thought captive. Uh, I think that's right, right? Oh, gosh, I hope I got that <laughs> reference right. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <clears throat> but that is so it, it, I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. But that is so that we can understand what God's will is. So how, um, how do you use scripture? Are you, are you, is it secular, what you're doing, the work that you're doing? Because I know sometimes, even though we're Christian, we do work in the secular realm. And so we have some limitations on what we can do. Is your business, is it Christian based or is it secular? Um, So it's secular based. Um, However, um, a lot of people that come to me um, are Christians. Um, So it's quite nice. Um, You know, I can ask if they want to start with a prayer or or things like that, which um, 
it's just nice if they if they're from a Christian background to be able to share that with them. Um, obviously, if they're not, then um, that the, before they start working with me, they know that I'm a Christian. It's not, you know, it's, and then they can decide. And people people work with me even though I'm a Christian, <laughs> so that's <Yeah>. good. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Well, as we were talking about talking about praying, we definitely did that before we started, and we just talked about how that settles our soul. <laughs> That it's just a nice, whoo. And so, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. So you had also said uh, something about dream boards and hope. And I, I just lit up hearing you talk about that. And so did you. I think I lit up in response to your light. So talk to me a little bit about the dream boards and maybe give us an age of the kids and what that age group would do. Okay, so um, yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple of funny stories actually. So we work on on the dream board, and um, I break it down for them. So there's um, to do, to be, and to have. So um, what obviously what they want to do, what they want to be, what they'd like to have, um, and then we we collect you know the the images and put them all on a lovely board. And um, my youngest coachy, he's. Um, he was four and a half at the time and um, we were working on the to be bit and his mum was there and I was like okay so what do you want to be and he was like taller <laughs> Cute. I, it was just it was just so lovely you know was, I want to be taller and I want to have a, a toy car <laughs> so we had to sort of say right and when you're a grown-up you know what what do you want to be and you know you from the younger age, they they don't quite grasp the the concept as well. So, um, it's about making it a little bit more, even more friendly. So it's like, what do you enjoy doing? And you know, do you want to do what Daddy does, or you know, things like that? What do you like watching? And sort of going about it that way. Um, whereas with the older children, um, obviously they they dream bigger. So my my tweens. Um, often think about what university they want to go to and what they want to study um but also in the same respect they like but there's a really nice pair of trainers I like can I put them in my to have and I'm like yeah it's not just like in years in advance it's about stuff that that you would like to have any you know regardless whether it's now or in the future and it's just sort of letting them know that if they've got that that positive mental attitude and they've got got it really clear in their their head then they will there will be a way of of getting that um doors will open and you know that it's yeah it's lovely I I love doing that activity with them it's so much fun so um but yeah the the to be taller one was um (laughs) was my favorite (laughs) that's super cute but at least I could say 100% that he was going to be taught and that that would happen. <laughs> and it might even be tomorrow, right? The way the kids shoot up. <laughs> so I want to take this. You asked a question in there. What do you enjoy doing? So given that the audience here is for step families, when families blend together, I'm not so sure that we take the time as blended parents. And I use blended parents because sometimes when you enter into a new family, you come without any kids and you marry somebody with kids. So that makes you a step parent, but they're not a step parent because you didn't bring any kids in. 
So they're a blended parent. So that's that's why I think maybe there's been this shift to blend. But as you and I had talked about in the pre-conversation, step families are one form of blending, but foster families, adoption, those are other forms too. And the reason that I bring this question back up, what do you enjoy doing, is I just have a sense to encourage blended parents to ask questions like this dream board that you were talking about. What's important to you? I know that uh, sometimes when my husband and I go out with friends, we go out for dinner or we have people over or just in a conversation with people, he shares something about himself. And I think, I didn't know that. Like, aren't I supposed to know it? There's this disconnect because when you're married with kids, you think you have all this historical living together. But when you blend later on in life, you don't. So I really, I want to encourage blended parents to find out what their blended kids enjoy doing. Um, Because I imagine when you ask the kids this, they are so excited that somebody is going to take the time to listen to them. Totally. They, yeah, they've got so much going on in their head that it's a real, a really good way of connecting with, with someone. And, you know, after the session, they, they love to go off to their parents and sort of say, right, can we download more pictures and can we do that? So it's a brilliant exercise that you can, you know, you can do and yeah, brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) Have you noticed an impact on the parents and their thinking based on the changing thinking of the kiddos? Yes, yeah. Um, quite often, the children can end up coaching coaching the parents in a way. Um, <laughs> there, you know, there's personally my my eldest daughter was coached, and um, during I don't know what lockdown it was in England, but during one of them, um, I got a bit with things, and um, she came downstairs with her bubbles, and she was like, "Mummy, I think you need my bubbles to to blow your negative thoughts away." <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of makes you step back and, you know, think about things. And parents have said to me, you know, the way that we word things and just, you know, one thing I stress to parents is we don't always have to have the answers. Sometimes they just need someone to to listen to. And if we can just be there, you know, that can mean more to, the, to them than than anything Um it's yeah um, we know that as as adults you know if we can just offload sometimes we don't want anyone to fix anything we just want someone to acknowledge and listen and a lot of the time that's what what children um want to do so yeah it's it it works the whole the whole thing integrates and it, it helps the whole family so well there's definitely more than one time I have mentioned to my husband uh I'm not asking you to fix this for me. I'm just asking you to listen. <laughs> so I know what you're talking about. And and uh, we, we all do for sure, especially for those of us in the coaching field. Uh, we definitely talk about these different levels of listening and deep listening and extracting information, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of the client. And in your case, for the benefit of the children. Yeah, totally. So outside of blowing bubbles, what do you do for fun? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I I used to like, you know, going out in nature and going on walks, but that's been a bit limited (laughs) recently. (laughs) So, um, but I I enjoy reading. Um, I I enjoy, you know, playing games with with my children and um, 
baking occasionally, but I do enjoy trying out new ways of, of working with children and new concepts on my own children. So, um, and my eldest is sort of twigging onto that now because she's like, is this going to be for your coaching as she's doing whatever it is that she's doing? <laughs> Pretty soon you're going to have to start paying her for her <laughs> ideas, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> share that entrepreneurial mindset with her because it's definitely it is a growth mindset is it not yeah I totally. think, yeah oh I'm sorry I, yes totally is what you said I jumped on you on that one um what was I gonna say oh Lance it escaped me okay well I'm gonna move on <laughs> I'm gonna about move on. Growth mindset growth mindset is amazing so it is amazing. And I certainly enjoy working with entrepreneurs. And I love when kids give me new ideas too. And I think I never would have thought of that at this age, just their creativity. Uh, it's, it's really quite amazing. It is. We, we, I learned so much from them as, as well. It's, it is lovely. And, um, I always use yet. So my children, if they start saying a sentence that begins with, I can't, I will look at them and then they'll say, I can't yet. And they add the yet because it completely flips the, you know, the, the statement. So right, right. <laughs> that's, I, it is, it's very powerful to, to use the yet at the end. So I like that. I like that a lot. And oftentimes when we're busy, we're just kind of shushing them away, right? Like go do this, go do that. Or I'll be with you in a moment. And we're saying, I can't do that right now instead of not yet. <laughs> I'm going to remember that one. I'm going to use that in my parenting. Well, <laughs> speaking of parenting, one of the conversations that we had earlier was your thoughts on when you send your kids to your room. Do you remember when we were talking about that and you shared when they're younger and then how that impacts decisions that they make when they're older. And I found that absolutely fascinating. Would you share with us your thoughts on go to your room? <laughs> yeah, so it's something we've all done and it's something that will continue to be said to children. It's just one of those those lines. Um, but it's how um, sometimes something simple that, you know, we mean sort of when you say go to your room, what you're actually trying to say is go and find somewhere quiet and chill out and relax and calm down. But we don't say that. We just say, go to your room. Um, and then as we say that, and then when they grow up and they get to sort of tweens, teens, um, they tend to gravitate to just going to their room and staying there, as many of us know. And it's just we've we've sort of given them that underlying message from a very young age that if you're feeling cross or upset or you can't quite vocalize how it is you're feeling, you need to go to your room and you stay there until you've calmed down or and so then people are surprised and go oh well my my teenager just stays in their room all day and it's because that underlying message we've given them through all their younger years is go to your room until you can talk to me and and teenagers can't verbalize because they've got so many hormones going on that you know we all have days and people go oh how are you and I'm like I'm having a uh, day and it's it's just like there's no words it's just a uh. and but if a teenager says that it's like well what do you mean why and they ended up getting like hundreds of questions so for them it's just easier to go to their room because then they don't have to talk 
they can just stay there. And, you know, it, it's quite sad because it's, we don't mean it like that as children. We, we don't mean for them to take it like that, but it just shows how the, ch- the young mind can interpret things that we are saying. And um, yeah, as I say, none of us mean for that to happen, but on a, on a deeper level, that's all we've been telling them for years is go to your room, you know, go to your room. So when they don't know what to do and they can't verbalize things, they, they go to their room and um, it's, yeah, it, it is sort of when I sort of learn this stuff, sometimes I'm like, wow, you know, even myself, it's how, how they take everything so literally at a young age, you know? Um, so it, it's, yeah, just being careful with how you phrase things. So if you don't want a teenager that goes to their room for hours on end, then sort of <laughs> give them a, a different sort of <laughs> reframe it and just say, you know, I know you can't speak right now. So why don't you go and take a few deep breaths, calm down, and then we'll have um, a cuddle and you can try and, and talk to me. And that is basically what we're saying. But by reframing it, it gives a very different message. It's more of an invitation too. I can, in my brain, I'm thinking of different ways that I could say that. So I have some grandkiddos, five, three, two, and on her way to one. And I'm thinking about their different stages. And when we had this pre-conversation, that's exactly what came to mind because they do get excused from the activity. So it's it's got to seem really like a huge penalty for them. So I'm in trouble because I did something wrong, which they could say makes me a bad person, right? Instead of I'm, I made a choice that wasn't the best choice. It, it really goes to who they are so quickly. Um, and then I'm also going to miss out on the activity. So my anger is going to escalate because now I was mad. Now I'm madder. And as I realize what's happening now, I'm even more angry. And the angrier I get, the less I can explain what's going on. And I got to figure out, figure it out all by myself in my room. Yeah. And, and they've got, you know, they're not sent with anything. It's just go, go in until you've calmed down. And they don't even know what, you know, at this point, they don't even know where calm is anymore. You know, that it could be anywhere. It's that they've got no sort of grounding or, or anything. It, it's sort of, so even, you know, if they are really, really angry and you do need them to calm down, maybe sort of putting a, a scale on the wall of different faces and different emojis. So like a really big red one for when they're like, when they first go in and then sort of calming down until they're at a sort of serene level, because they've got nothing to gauge it on. They don't, they don't know um and you know they're not allowed when when they're in their room they're not allowed to shout they're not allowed to to move anything they're not allowed to play with anything they're not you know (laughs) it's like you've sent them there with nothing to help them calm down and you're just sort of expecting magic to happen which we've all done it as I say we've all done it but when you look at it like that you're like oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I'm recalling when my youngest daughter was still uh, waiting to make her grand entrance, and I had gone with my oldest daughter, so she was four at the time. And she was what I want to call, she's an old soul, but 
a late bloomer in some things like tantrums. So we didn't have the two-year-old or three-year-old, but man, when she turned four, oh my world shifted. I don't know what happened, but something shifted. And I remember I had my obstetrician appointment. Now, I don't know what it's like for you, but here, when you go to the obstetrician, you make your appointment and you wait in the waiting room for hours before you actually get back there. And you pray that somebody else's baby isn't going to be born that day so that your doctor can't see you that day and come back and reschedule. So I had never experienced a public tantrum with my daughter. And since she was my oldest, she was my first one. And of course I was a great mom. Like, (laughs) I got it all figured out because my kid is not doing that thing over there that your kid is doing, except until later when she started doing that. But she just got tired of waiting. And I get it. I was tired of waiting too. Plus I had the baby, I don't know, eight months, eight months pregnant. I don't remember how far along I was, but I took her in the bathroom and let her know that she needed to calm down. I'm sure, I don't know the lingo I use, but I'm sure I let her know exactly what I expected her to do and fully expected her to understand. Uh, and she just would not stop. And I was beside myself. I did not know what to do. And I was embarrassed. Um, and, and I just want to say for the parents out there, your kid throwing a tantrum, I, embarrassment is probably one of the last places places you ought to go. Just work on solving the problem because those people, they're not paying your mortgage. They're not paying your car payment. They're not putting food on the table. So don't worry about what they think. Worry about what you know is the best thing for your kid. But I went to the, I went to the desk and I said, I've got to reschedule. I've got to take this kid. And I was so angry. And so we walked out and went out in the parking lot and I put her in the van and I put her all the way in the back of the van. I was like, I don't want you close to me. I'm so angry with you. I can't believe that you made me do this, cancel the appointment, all of that. And she was screaming the whole way home. And halfway home, I pulled off in some uh, rocky parking lot and did a little slide, I guess, because I was angry. And so I was not modeling what I wanted her to do. We were both angry, both off the charts. And emotionally, we've had this inner connection for since the very beginning. It's been very interesting how few words are required for us to understand what's going on in each other's heads. And so I tell you what, I wanted to strap her to the top of the van. <laughs> I want to get you out of the back of the van and I want to put you on top of the van because I don't want to hear it. And so um, then when we got home, I did exactly what you're saying. I sent her to her room and expected her to figure out what, how to calm down. Ay, ay, ay. Epic fail there. (laughs) But we don't know what we don't know. And, you know, it's by that time you're upset, she's upset, and she's even more upset because you've now canceled the appointment. So she's even feeling that. (laughs) And it's just, yeah. We, yeah, but we don't think like that. And especially when we're angry as well, you know, I use the illustration of our, our lids flipping, like our brain, like our our thinking cap isn't thinking anymore. It's gone and we're back to the primitive, you know, fight, flight or freeze. And so there isn't any rationalization. It's all got to be clear cut. And when you've got two of you in that state, neither one of you are in a position to to calm down so it's I get that it's hard and it's yeah we've all been there we've all done it and totally if if your child has a tantrum when you're out most of the time 
and people are tutting, I often ask them and say, have you had children? Because if they have at one stage, they, they would have gone through it as well. They may have just forgotten, <laughs> you know, yeah. if I, if pre COVID, if I saw someone like that, you know, when you see the mothers and they've got the baby and the, I'm like, do you need any help? You know, do you want me to hold the baby or anything? Obviously now you're not allowed to go within two meters of anybody. So it's a bit difficult, but yeah, yeah everyone who's, who's had children has experienced that and, you have just got to focus on what is going to help both of you right there. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think about this growth mindset that we were talking about earlier and how important it is for us to know that we're actually never done learning that we will, we have this, we get to choose if we're going to acquire new skills or not. And that includes parenting skills. And for me, I often talk about investing in your marriage skills too, that there are a lot of blended family issues that come up that you have no idea are coming down the road. When you're in that starry eyed love affair, you're like, oh, we can solve anything. <laughs> yeah. Eventually you can, but it's, it might get ugly. Uh, so investing in our kids, learning about their, their stages, where they are in development. And we don't need anybody to go get a PhD or doctorate or any of that in relation to being a parent, but seeking coaches out like you that can help them understand how to have more effective communication with their kids. I can just see how powerful that is. I needed you several years ago, honey. (laughs) Yeah, it is. The the communication is, is so important. And if you can, you know, encourage the communication from a young age and um, sort of start talking about emotions from a young age, it it does help with opening those those channels. And as I said before, if you've got older children and whatever, just being a sounding board, not not having to fix things, because if they feel like you're going to try and fix things all the time, they won't speak to you because they, you know, they don't necessarily want you to do anything. You know, they, they just want to go rah, 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 and then it, that's it. Yeah. So I had a guest on uh, several months ago, Rachel Bailey, and she calls that the yuck dump that you just get all that gunk out of you. Uh, and I just thought that was really powerful. I thought, yeah, there's a lot of yuck in family life for sure, uh, because we're all together and we all are created differently and we have different motivations, inspirations, desires, dreams, all of those things. So I think oftentimes we have unrealistic expectations about how we're going to come together and it's all going to be peaches and cream. Uh, This thing that keeps coming back to me as we've been talking is this emotion, uh, Cassie, and allowing the emotion to come out. So I'm a new parent. So let's take that example, that van scenario in canceling the appointment where my daughter and I, four-year-old and I'm in my twenties, what would you recommend that I do differently? What could I have done differently starting in that waiting room when she started to flip out? Cause I was still good then I was calm then, but I was, I was escalating quickly. <laughs> so, yeah. So when you can tell that they're, they're going to, um, it, it's very difficult because obviously in that situation there wasn't anything to to give her to try and entertain her or or anything but sort of try if you've got a young child try and keep sort of an activity bag with you so is there stuff you can sort of try and give them um and when she had sort of 
flipped her lid at that point. They they just need to feel safe. So it's the thing that you probably don't want to do the, <laughs> the most, but just cuddling them, um, which, as I say, at the time, <laughs> you really don't want to do that. However, at that point, they have lost all emotional control. They don't know what to do. So they need to feel safe again. And the only way you can get them to feel safe is by cuddling them. Um, and then over a period of five, 10 minutes, they will start calming down, trying, you know, try and keep them close to you and they can hear your heartbeat and it just grounds them, you know, and it, when they start calming down, then you can sort of talk to them, but just, you don't say anything, just hold them and just try and keep your breathing steady. Um, and you also will calm down because the, you it sounds a bit cliche, but the, the two heartbeats will be sort of going together and you will feel that safety as well and realize that, you know, they're, they're not completely awful <laughs> and that they are just a child. Um, and it will just help ground, ground you both. Um, so again, I would never have done that with my eldest. I would have done exactly what you've done, but you know, now if, if my youngest has a meltdown, I will just sit with her. I mean, she's a lot older than that, but I, I would just sit with her and hold her until she had calmed down again, because uh, otherwise nothing, you, you can't, you won't get anywhere. So yeah, just, just hold them. Um, and just say some prayers that you calm down yourself as well. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. So I think some people would say that that is rewarding them for negative behavior. How would you respond to that? Okay. So um, I, gosh, that, that's a hard one. So it's not um, rewarding them because um Okay, sorry. Let me just think. <laughs> so um, you're not um, you're not giving them something extra. All you're doing is you're you're giving them your love, which is unconditional. So you're giving them your love to calm them down, and then when they are in a calmer state, um, and not straight away, you know, not <laughs> they don't finish sobbing, and then you say, right now, you know. Um, so all choices have consequences. So once they are calm. Um, you then talk to them and you can say, right, okay, that you talk to me and you talk through it. Um, and then you can say, okay, well, because of that, there is a consequence and you can still say, okay, you're, you know, you're not going to watch this program or you're not going to do that. But just by withholding your, your hugs, that's not rewarding them in, in my personal opinion, um, because your love is unconditional. And if that's the only thing that you've got, with you at that moment then you know they they and they also take that on board so they know that even though because they will look back on it and even though they were completely awful you hugged them you didn't say you know go away which we've all done as I keep saying we've all done it and you know but we've and so they know that they can do the worst thing ever and you'll still be there and that's one of the most powerful things that that you can give them um so yeah it's giving them a hug isn't a reward it's it's what you do <laughs> you know as you say that I'm just thinking that that is God offering forgiveness before we ask for it and as a parent that hug and that love is 
that hug of forgiveness before they ask that no matter what we do love them. Wow. That's really beautiful. Makes me a little weepy. <laughs> Sorry. <God. laughs> okay. So um, you talked about very early on in the beginning of the podcast. And thank you for that. That's really good advice. I think it's a, it's, it's realistic advice that acknowledges the difficulty in making a different decision. And I'm thinking that if I were listening to this podcast, I might hit the pause button right now and think about how I could apply that in a situation that I'm currently in. So if you've got kids hanging all over you, um, you've experienced the stress of managing multiple people's emotions. So it's almost like you're an emotion manager. So if you think about on the conveyor belt, <laughs> when, when it gets, gets too fast or too slow, we're really, really happy, we're really sad, uh, or I don't know, but if I, if I think about that conveyor belt of emotions, for us to expect the quote unquote equipment to work 100% of the time, we're already setting ourselves up for failure. And we know that God gave us emotions. God has emotions. And so we have, I think, the stewardship responsibility to learn how to manage them well. I wish I could say I had this licked, but um, I'm still growing. <laughs> In some emotions, I might be 12. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, Ben, that goes back to the growth mindset. You know, it's it's a lifelong thing. <laughs> right, right. And when we spend, so I imagine there are a few parents out there uh, that are having trouble letting go in the sense of forgiving themselves for something. Maybe something went wrong this morning and they handled it really badly. And I just want to speak to that parent right now to say that you are loved and God's arms are waiting for you and his forgiveness is waiting for you if you choose it. But if you don't choose it, he's still waiting. And we all know eventually we work our way back there. <laughs> um, and uh, gosh, God does not want us to live our life full of regrets. Um, he wants us to receive that hug of unfailing, unconditional love. Uh, he's the one who gets it right. We, we, we don't get it quite as right, but we're working on it. So I just want to encourage that parent to re receive the gift of grace. And uh, if you need to make amends to your kid, then make amends to your kid and take the next step, right? Yeah, totally. And and just um, off the back of what you said, that's that's exactly what um, I do. So if I do lose it, because I still do lose it, I, I apologize, um, which again, growing up, grown ups didn't apologize to children. But you no, know, it makes it real. So they know that you've probably messed up because you've shouted or you've done something that you wouldn't normally do. So by acknowledging that and apologizing, it lets them know that we're always going to mess up somewhere, but we take responsibility for it and we apologize. And so it's more likely to make them sincerely sorry instead of the say you're sorry. And so they say this, say you're sorry and mean it. You know? 
you're stealing all my lines. Like, how do you know I've said all these things? <laughs> so this echoes what we talked about previously about just being present um, and just taking this posture of listening and being a good listener for our children, being that going back to being an ambassador for our kids that we stand in the gap when they can't stand there themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. That's really, really good. So talk to me a little bit about, uh, let's go back to, you had said that you were bullied through school and uh, mental health issues are important to you. Um, and you mentioned a, a focusing on adversity. So in the work that you do, you work with different stages. And I know in that context of those issues, you had said that girls, younger and younger girls, things are happening to them sooner. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on? Yeah. So, um, it's, I mean, it, it's been raised in, in the UK, but it has been happening, um, across, across the globe is that, um, unfortunately younger children, um, are developing eating disorders, um, and also the, the issue of self-harm as well. Um, and that's something that I'm very passionate about because a lot of it can come from, um, social media, um, or, the need to try and fit in and to look a certain way um and it's it's enabling them to see that they don't going back to that what i said at the very beginning um that they don't have to fit in because they are you know perfect as they are um but it is just it's harder because more um during the pandemic um the focus has been on on food quite a lot because um eating disorders are, are not very often related to, to food. It's um, the need of control. So obviously with the pandemic, uh, they have no control over anything. So they can't even go to school. They can't see their friends. They they have no control over anything. And as adults, we've found it hard. So for them, it's been even harder because, and, and where they look at us for answers, because grown-ups know more, obviously, um, we haven't had those answers. So the the only thing that they've been able to control is, is food. And it's just a really, yeah, it's really sad to see. Um, and it's something that needs more um and when I use the term eating disorders, just backtrack a little bit, everyone thinks of anorexia and bulimia, but there are so many um, that come under the umbrella of ethnos, which is eating disorders not otherwise specified. So um, there's binge eating disorder. Um, there's, you know, even obesity. Um, there's, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there, there is one um, which is, which focuses on um, exercise, like, exercising all of the time there are so many that that can't that don't aren't recognized and so they go under the radar because they haven't got the obvious um symptoms of, of something like anorexia where you can see the sudden you know drop um you know with bulimia with the purging and obviously overeating and things like that it isn't always as as obvious so um just so as as 
um, when you're listening, eating disorders, I don't always mean that you're you're restricting, you know, sometimes, as I say, overeating and things like that. And um, it's, yeah, it, it is, it's becoming an issue that um, awareness needs to be, to be raised and more help given. So. So that's one of the things that you do when you are coaching these young girls, you, you work on those issues. Um, yeah. If they, I mean, some, some girls um, aren't in that sort of catchment and that they're, they're fine, but um, it's about re re-emphasizing um, that when they do get sort of into the more mid teens, that they don't have to give in to peer pressure and that they so I, my studio is called True You um, purely because I want them to accept themselves for who they are, who they've been put on earth as. Um, they don't need to change for anything because at the end of the day, they they will end up going back to who they're meant to be and doing what God obviously wants them to do. Um, and in my non-Christian clients, I sort of just say that I, I personally believe everyone is guided. And so no matter what you try and do, you will, you know, end up there so don't punish yourself (laughs) yeah again there's definitely a need for self-forgiveness as as well and I think at those younger ages as the mind is developing that that's really a stretch for them to believe something that they can't see because they're getting all of this visual input nonstop uh, whether or not you allow your children to have a phone, uh, they're, they're just exposed to it in a way that has, is unprecedented. And we are definitely seeing the fallout from that. While there's a lot of great things related to technology, you and I being here today, uh, recording a podcast. For me, it's morning. For you, it's evening. Uh, and, it, and it's all good. Uh, but uh, the, the getting sucked in, and it's so easy at those younger ages for this comparison trap. Um, because I would say we're always evaluating, right? When we start out and we can start to touch things, we're examining that sensation. And when we stack blocks, it's the same thing where you, this is what I love about little kids. You can just see the wheels turning. Um, So can you talk a little bit about that, how we can use where they are? Let's stay in this age group with the younger girls. So tweens, right? This is what we're talking about maybe nine, nine, 10, 11, 12. Okay. So how can we build up these young women knowing all that we know, knowing that we're dealing with all of these outside influences that are out of our control? How can we help build them up? What would you recommend for our parents? Um, I think, I mean, there's a, a few ways of, of doing it. Obviously, as you say, they're, they're exposed to it from, um, a very young age I mean things are changing now but things like Barbies and all the the dolls are always so slim and but they are changing that and I think um so from an, so when they're teens and tweens focusing on their strengths and that that isn't what they look like so that's not the aesthetics it's their you know they are amazing on the piano or they're right they write beautiful poetry or things that aren't related to um you know the the looks of of someone because then they sort of internalize oh okay so um 
if you say, oh, you've got beautiful straight hair and then the hair goes curly when it's older, they're going to be like, I need to have it straight because that's what makes me beautiful. And so if you can try and highlight the things that aren't associated with, um, with them physically, that that can help and sort of getting them to recognize that. So I use affirmations a lot and we use happy talk in the, in the coaching. Um, and it's, you know, just the, the re-emphasizing of the positives about them. Um, and also another one that, that I use is I often tell them that there's, um, that most of what they see or they hear or whatever it's, it's filtered. So everything is filtered and, um, that they don't always believe it, but um, if you do show them something, so you could, I mean, I don't use Snapchat, but even on on um, my phone, you know, you can get silly um, cartoony things that changes how you look completely. And if you show them that, they can actually see how an image can be distorted. So then they can start looking at things a little bit differently and just sort of think, okay, you know, it's like if you put a Zoom background on, your hair doesn't like stick up, you know, or you can put even on Zoom now there's filters so as you can put lipstick on and things like that. So showing them that you can do these things with technology makes them just sort of think, oh, OK, you know, and uh, these things can be made to look a certain way. Um and, you know, I, I often tell because I've got a tween. So it's, you know, if we all look the same, it would be really boring. You know, we, we are all different and that is for a reason and we need to embrace that. Um, and, you know, don't focus on what we want to have, focus on what we have already and how lucky we are to have that and what we can do with it to, to you know, help us grow. Um so yeah, I think that that would be the advice that that I would give, just to reassure them in themselves, focus on their strengths, and just show them the power of what technology is capable of. Um, and I like that. That's really good. It reminds me of um, one of my mentors. She had done the mustache thing as a joke, right? <laughs> And something happened with her computer that she could not get it off. And she had this very formal presentation and there was this shade of a mustache. And then she came on to our session and she was talking about it. And we're all doing that kind of whispering behind the scenes in the chat. What's up with that? What's up that on her face? And so she came out to share what had happened. She said, I do not know what happened. I don't know if she got a new computer or something. Anyway, what a funny, funny glitch. <laughs> well, listen, I, I really enjoy talking to you today and you sharing your wisdom as far as how we can create better connections as parents with our kids, but also I think as adults, if we are responsible adults and meet the needs of the kids who are in our lives, whether they're neighbor kids or, or nieces, nephews, whatever they are, that we can help build these kids up and help them learn how to deal with their emotions and life changes that are completely out of their control by modeling good decisions on our own and also modeling forgiveness when we make those deep dive mistakes. 
Yeah. And and don't forget, let them also remind us that not everything has got to be done for a reason. And that sometimes jumping in puddles is fun just because it's fun. And let them remind us sometimes of the fun that we can have. Um, you know, we often say no to children for things that there isn't really a reason to say no for, you know, no, you're going to get muddy. Well, you know, that's okay. So jumping in the puddles with them and and embracing your inner child also helps our adult mental health as well. So especially so, now we need to jump in more puddles right now. <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more before we go, go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can find you. You had mentioned that you've got a Facebook group and I think you want to encourage people to go get some of your wisdom there. So please share with the audience. So um, I have a Facebook group called um, children's mental health matters. Um, and it's, Basically, we're a a group of parents that are, you know, we support one another. I often go in and do lives um, based on things that are happening. So when it was um, Eating Disorders Week, I went live. When it was Children's Mental Health Week, um, I'm currently doing a four-day workshop on confidence. Um, And sometimes just as parents to rant and just to, you know, again, they not always wanting answers, just a safe space to rant that's non-judgmental and yeah it's really lovely so um yeah come along and, and join us so okay well and I joined the group so I've peeked in a few times there are so many groups to be a part of but if you are a parent who uh, would like to love on your kid in some powerful ways I'm going to encourage you to join the Facebook group and check out the offerings that Cassie Swift has uh, and I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today and I just want to Pray over our listeners that um, there are useful, realistic, I said useful, but I want to say practical solutions that when we have them in advance, when we pre-decide before the emotions escalate, (laughs) the outcome can be so much better and the confidence in our children can grow exponentially. Cassie, I'll let you have the last word. Go ahead. Just thank you for having me. And again, just don't be hard on yourselves. We're all learning and parenting doesn't come with a manual. So um, yeah, (laughs) be kind to yourself. That's right. What a great thing. Okay. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed having you on the blog today. All right, my friends, that is a wrap and such great useful tools for us when emotions escalate and we lose our cool. And this is one of the many reasons why repentance and forgiveness are so powerfully important in blended families. Hey, if you're looking for additional strategies, tips, tools, tricks, all of that, here at Blended on the Bluff, we are working on some new things. And I'm very excited to be developing a membership where we can combine a bunch of resources together that allow us to navigate this adventure we call blended family living. All right, y'all take care. See you next time.